just listen to yourself. Don't let other people, you know, talk you into something that you don't really want. Because I know in my culture, that's most often the case. I also know a lot of people who, who are working in industries that they don't really love to work on. And the sad part is they get stuck there for like 25, 30 years of their life. And by the time that they get the courage to, you know, finally do what they want. And as what Matt said, like, find your interests and find something that, you know, you would really love to work into. By the time that they get there, it would be too late because whether we'd like to admit it or not, if you're in your late 40s, late 50s, it's going to be hard to, you know, get into the, the industry that you probably want. I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, on the subject of, you know, let life happen, like I've been, you know, I've worked in different industries over the last 12 years and I've been made redundant three times. And that's not something that I, you could ever see happening or, you know, avoid it's something that's outside of your control. And it's how you react to those challenges or setbacks, which is like the biggest thing. So I heard a really interesting quote from somebody I follow on uh, Instagram. And they had said, if you fall over, you don't spend the rest of your life dragging yourself along. Stand back up and try and walk again. Welcome to the 20 Minute Mentors podcast. to the 20 Minute Mentors podcast. Uh, this is episode two, and this is Mike, your host. And I have Matt with me here. How are you doing, Matt? Yeah, really good, thank you. Really, really good. I think today's an exciting one for me because I'm I'm really passionate about this particular topic and, and yeah, I'm really, really keen to dive into today. Oh, yeah, same here. I guess this is the first official episode after that introduction. Yeah, and the introduction episode is fun because it's kind of a bit more of a loose, you know, who we are and what we're up to and why we're doing this. But this is like episode two and one. So yeah, an exciting place to be and very excited to dive into this. Yeah, definitely. So today, in this episode, we're going to be talking about how we define a career and actually starting out at that early stage. So for those who are just leaving school or just leaving university, this is a kind of the episode aimed at you, you know. How do you find something that you enjoy and turn that into a career? From the other side of that, maybe you're in a few years into a career and feeling a little bit stuck and feeling like actually you want to make a career change, especially around COVID. There was a lot of people that made career changes, especially here in the UK. So what we're going to look at today is how do you identify a career, but also how do you identify a career that you could be interested in doing yourself? It's a big topic. It's Mike and me trying to break it down today, but yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll go for it from there. So we'll start with you then, Mike. What was your first, first role, first job after leaving university? Yeah, it's kind of tricky for myself because I'm um, in the Philippines. We don't really like, kind of use the term university. We just call it college, which is basically university. It's the same thing, but mm. Yeah, right after leaving college, I immediately joined the family business. 
and started off as kind of like a manager role, although we didn't really have official titles, but was doing the role of a manager and went on for a couple of years. And that was basically what launched my professional career. But personally, I think that career or like, you know, fixating yourself on a specific career isn't really what I, I have in mind. I mean, it would definitely differ between different people. But for myself, I, I don't really conform to the traditional definition of what a career really is. Because as you've briefly mentioned a couple of minutes ago, you can start a career right off after college or uni, or you can have a career change right in the middle uh, of your life. Um, there's no set rules as to how you go with your career. How about you, Matt? Um, what do you think? Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm kind of, I'd say quite traditional in the way that I approached my career. So I left school and in the UK, we have school, college, and then university. And as soon as I left school, I had to get a job. I come from, my family background is that of, you know, once you, it's expected that once you leave education to kind of get a job and start working. So I started working a retail role, which I think was very good for me because it kind of, it got me out and engaging with people at a very early age. I started working at a local supermarket on my 16th birthday. And that thing continued really in, in one way or another, right the way through from my sort of leaving school at 15 and a bit, 16, to my two years of college, I was working in different retail stores. And I never saw those jobs as being careers, although they definitely could be. I mean, I know people who have made a career from working in retail. I saw those roles as getting me the experience to lead on to a more traditional type of career. So I worked in sales for a large telecoms company here in the UK. And that job, although it was sort of a part-time role around college, really taught me the skills that I needed to be able to talk to people, be able to build rapport with people. And, you know, a lot of those transferable things that at the time you think this is just a dead end part-time role that I'm doing to get myself through college and earn a little bit of money, but it's given you some of those really important life skills. So that's kind of where my early years were. And I define a career really as something that you could see yourself doing for a period of time, whether it be 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I think the traditional view from certainly my parents' generation is that you get a career and you stay in that job for 25, 30 years. And then after 30 years, you retire. And that 30 year period has been like your career. And I don't think that's the same so much today as it, as it was in, and certainly in my parents' generation. I don't know. Is that the same to what you experienced from your parents' generation? Oh, yes, definitely. My mother, for, for one, took up economics back in college and she pretty much stayed in kind of like a, finance role all throughout her career and but now that you've briefly mentioned well, about you know parents here's a fun fact about me i don't think I've, I've told you this before but they actually wanted me to become a nurse back in the day because in the philippines that was like the the number one course or occupation that you should have your kids you know take because that was the mentality back then as a third world country like become a nurse go overseas and become rich and I actually studied nursing for two years before I shifted to political science. But 
that was what my parents planned for me very early on. So study to become a nurse, but I didn't eventually, you know, take that route because I shifted midway. But I guess it's kind of opposite for me as well, because right after I left college, I had a path laid out for me. But then when COVID hit, things kind of went awry. So now I'm like doing a part-time job. So for your case, you started doing that part-time job to get the experience that eventually led on to your traditional career that you've been having for the past nine, 12 years. For me, it's mm. kind of the opposite. So started after college, then now it's kind of like on the shaky part of life. But it, hopefully, you know, it will lead to a traditional career like two or three years from now. I think that's what's important is there's never like a bad time to have a career change to take a step back and actually go, you know, let's let's take our foot off the the pedal a little bit and stop t- trying to climb the career ladder and actually find a role which gives you that experience rather than keep pushing and pushing. You know, for a lot of my professional career, I was driven by how much I could earn. That was the goal. You know, it was, can I go to the next job and can I earn more money? And throughout, you know, sort of doing that for six or seven years, I then realized that I wasn't really learning or enjoying my jobs. I was just looking at what I got each month and can I go to the next role and will that earn me more each month? So I don't think there's a bad time to take that step back and I hate the word reflect, but you kind of know what I mean, of stepping yourself back a little bit to go, what skills can I learn now to then help me get to where I want to be? Mm-hmm. One of the practices that I, I used very early on in my career, and it's a, I think it's come from some sort of, I can't remember where I first read about it, but it's known as Ikigai. And mm-hmm. this is a, I believe it's either Japanese or Chinese. I think it's probably Japanese. And it's a way of trying to find out what motivates you. So the way that I, I use this idea to try and direct where I want my career to go. And the simplest way to do it, and you can do it in your heads or at home or on a bit of paper, is to essentially draw three circles that intersect with each other. So you've got a circle on the left, circle on the right, and then circle sort of in the middle intersecting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and so it's kind of like a three-way Venn diagram, right? Exactly. That's the word I was looking for, a three-way Venn diagram. <laughs> so in the, in the left-hand side, you write down things that you're good at essentially. So things that you believe or you've been told that you're good at. So for me, this would be problem solving. People keep telling me I'm good at problem solving or mobile development, for example. Now, in the right-hand box of the Venn diagram, you'd put down things you love. So this doesn't have to be connected to work, but it can be things that you genuinely quite enjoy. So it could be gaming for me. I, I, I really... There's nothing I enjoy more than switching off in the day, turning the PlayStation on and just disconnecting from the world. It could also be, you know, learning. I'm a big reader and I love to learn things. So you have your top left with what you're good at, your top right with what you love, and then your bottom. This is where it gets a little bit more high level, unfortunately, but things that the world needs more of. And if you bear with me for a second, because it does sound a little bit sort of airy. This can be things like sustainability education, better access to transport, you know, whatever it might be, whatever pops into your head. Now, when you've filled out these three intersections of a Venn diagram, you should then start to see some crossover between the different areas. 
by using this is how I established my first career, which was, you know, the military. I looked at the things that I was good at, which was talking to people, which I'd established in my sort of time working in retail. The things that I loved, I loved being outdoors. I loved engaging with people. I loved being fit and healthy. And the things that the world needed more of in that time for me was, you know, security and sort of defense. And when I did this diagram at home, and it's it's pronounced Ikigai, I think I'm probably butchering that. It's I-K-I-G-A-I. When I did it at the time, it then kind of pointed me towards actually your crossovers are talking to people, keeping fit, need for security, wanting to be outdoors more. And that then led me to go, actually, what career can I look at, which will give me all these things? And that's what led me initially into the army. Now, when I came out of the army, it was a, a very similar exercise. So I looked at, you know, what do I enjoy? Well, I enjoy talking to people still. That's a skill that I've still got and I still enjoy. But I'm now good at IT. It's a skill I've picked up while I've come out. So I I love building things. I love talking to people. I believe I'm good at talking to people. And I believe the world needs better accessibility to things. And then that's what then made me pivot into an IT career. Because actually, I can see that you know, I want to educate people more. I want to kind of learn to you know, take people on a journey with me. But I also have this underpinningness, really, of these are the things that I want to contribute. This is what I think I'm good at. This is what I love doing. And this is what the world needs. And that's how I help to kind of direct myself. Now, again, it's something which has come out of, I think it was a book I read a little while ago. It might not work for you as an individual, but for me, it really helped give me that direction of, these are the areas you can go to. This is what you can look at. And you know, these are where your skills sit. Your journey was slightly different, if I remember rightly, right? Because, Mike, because you were working for your parents' business. Then what happened? What what made you take that next step? Oh, yeah. For, for my case, I can't really say that the things that led to where I'm currently at was exactly what I had planned out for my life or what I thought was planned for me at that time. But I guess at this point, I could just say that life happened because while you were discussing about, you know, the, the Ikigai method, which is actually, I think, uh, a very popular one, especially in Asia, I have definitely mm. heard of that term in the past. But however, my slight problem with that method and kind of identifying what you want to pursue as a career is actually the middle diagram or as what you would say, the, the high-level ones. Because yes, you can definitely try to identify what you think the world or your community needs. However, for some places, like for my case, um, the, the Philippines, some um, opportunities are scarce. So mm. I could definitely say like, okay, we, we need more transportation. We need you know better sustainability measures. And that is a cause that most people are actually behind in nowadays. But when it comes to, to opportunities, you know, depending on where you're located, it wouldn't really actually work. So just as a follow-up question to you, Matt, mm. considering that, you know, we have this circumstance for other people where opportunities aren't really there for them, would you have like a recommendation or perhaps a suggestion as to like a watered-down advice as to how one can possibly identify what career they want to pursue. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's interesting you know, when 
you think about how this impacts in different cultures because you know i could definitely say the world needs more crypto and actually trying to do that from you know some small village in the uk where i live is actually almost very difficult so yeah i think the watered down version or the sort of the condensed version of that is it doesn't in my mind necessarily matter if you know you aspire to be a game designer let's say but your first career isn't necessarily aligned to that because you're getting the experience from whatever role you go into what i would do and what i have done in the past is i look for what i would enjoy and what i think my skills align to so it doesn't necessarily always mean that i end up in the most perfect job fit for me mm-hmm. but at least it helps me kind of find that that role that i would be excited by i think definitely between you and i we've probably worked in roles where you know we went into the job because we thought we'd enjoy it or we went into the job because we thought we'd enjoy the industry and then actually you know two or three months later we've realized that's not the case and it's been a little bit harder than we thought so i think you know my my watered down version of how you can identify what you want your first career to be or what you want your first step to be is definitely look for things that you're interested in 100% that's kind of got to be there otherwise it would be a very difficult the weeks, months, years in that in that chosen career, but also trying to align it as something either that you think you you have a skill in, and or something you believe in. Um, I know a lot of people who have gone off to work in sort of green tech, not because it's the best paid industry in the world, but because it aligns with their values of mm-hmm. you know, I want to try and help the world in some way. Yeah, and totally on board with that. No compromise, because. Yeah, my watered down version probably for the listeners out there is, you know, just let life happen to you. I mean, you you can plan out what you want to be five, 10 years down the line, but there's always going to be, you know, mitigating circumstances that changes your situation along the way. But I think what's important there is, you know, to have that North Star or like, you know, what you really ultimately want in your life and then just go with the flow, I guess having that concept in mind with you and just let life happen. And eventually you'll get there with hard work. And, you know, by listening to this podcast, that will definitely help as well. Not that I'm, you know, really self-promoting, but yeah, just let life happen and just listen to yourself. Don't let other people, you know, talk you into something that you don't really want. Because I know in my culture, that's most often the case. I also know a lot of people who who are working in industries that they don't really love to work on. And the sad part is they get stuck there for like 25, 30 years of their life. And by the time that they get the courage to, you know, finally do what they want, and as what Matt said, like, find your interests and find something that, you know, you would really love to work into. By the time that they get there, it would be too late because whether we'd like to admit it or not, if you're in your late 40s, late 50s, it's going to be hard to, you know, get into the the industry that you probably want when you're at that, you know, later stage of your life. So yeah, just, just go with the flow and just let life happen. But ultimately, yeah, just have that North Star that will guide you eventually to what you really want and don't lose track of that. That would be my, you know, most watered down advice. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, on the subject of, you know, let life happen. Like I've been, you know, I've I've worked in different industries over the last 12 years 
and I've been made redundant three times. Now that's not something that I, you could ever see happening or, you know, avoid. It's something that's outside of your control. And it's how you react to those challenges or setbacks, which is like the biggest thing. So I heard a really interesting quote from somebody I follow on uh, Instagram. And they had said, if you fall over, you don't spend the rest of your life dragging yourself along, stand back up and try and walk again. It mm. kind of hit me is actually, that's a really interesting quote. It was actually from a personal trainer. It's a really interesting quote because it's like, it hits you to go, actually, you've had a setback, but it's how you respond to the setback, which is the, the big thing. So, you know, maybe you can't get that. You know, you've, you've got a a degree in computer science, let's say, but you can't get that machine learning job because you don't have the experience. Well, mm-hmm. okay, that's a setback. How do you respond to that? Where do you look next? And there's a really an interesting concept which came out of my forces background, which is whenever you're trying to aim at a target, you look down the sights of your rifle. But what you should always remember to do is to open both eyes because one eye will give you that sight down the target. The other eye will help you see the land. And it's almost like looking, it was called looking left and right of target. With one eye, you're focused on what you're trying to achieve, but with your other eye open at the same time, you're able to see what's around that target. And that's, again, a really powerful technique to go, okay, well, I can't get the AI developer course I want to get, or job I want to get, but what's the next step I can take that might actually push me in that direction? Is it a course? Can I go on a course that will get me a certification that I need? Can I get a part-time development role that will help you know, build my portfolio? So it's all about trying to really understand what are the small steps you need to do to try and help you get to that, as you said, North Star. Yeah, that's a, a very good analogy, to be honest, because I also you know, was exposed to, to guns in the past. And yeah, that's one of the things that you know, gun training or gun trainers would tell you to do, like always have both eyes open. And I'm actually very glad that you, you made that, you know, translation towards the, you know, from a firearm to a career, because to be honest, that's very important to be able to identify what those small steps that you would actually need. And most often than not, people don't actually do that. They always look at the long term or they look at the, goal without minding things that could go wrong along the way or things that they need to do in order to take that next step. So with that though, what are the things that you would actually recommend? Let's say if there's this person who wants to, for the sake of example, yeah, the programmer, AI programmer. So what would be the possible small steps that you would you know, probably have to take to be able to get that goal? In, in relation to of the course. looking left and right. Yeah. So from a programmer, the way I would approach that is, first of all, have I, have I got an interest in it? That's kind of the first tick. You know, do I actually have a, a keen interest in, in, in pursuing that? As, as we said earlier, if you don't, it's going to be quite a, a long career. So we'll, we'll assume that you've got the interest. So the first steps I would take is I would understand exactly what part of program one I'd be part of. Development and programming is a huge area. You've got mobile development, mm-hmm. web development, front end, back end. It goes, I mean, we could probably make a, an episode just about different types of developers. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but I would <laughs> I would look at, you know, what area do I want to try and do I want to try and tackle? So let's assume it's front end. So which to people who maybe aren't in the industry, that is the things that you interact with as a as a user. So 
a front end will be, you know, the website that you interact with or the apps on your phone. That's the, the, the thing that the user touches. So I want to become a developer and I've, I know that my interest is in front end. So I would start first of all, by looking at, you know, can I get experience? Can I get any experience anywhere in my local, you know, whether it be from mentors that I know or people in my local group that can help point me towards this. So do I have any friends that are already in the industry? Do I have anyone who can maybe give me some pointers about you know, a good language to learn and, and kind of a place to start in? Mm-hmm. Once I've gone through that, I would then look for, you know, is there any training courses or certifications I can do? LinkedIn Learning is a really good resource, which just offers most countless hours of, of training, especially in you know product and agile, which is you know, the industry I'm in. But you're able to you know, very quickly learn some of the concepts. And so once I've got that, I've then hopefully, you know, I've checked my network to see if there's anybody that I know uh, that can you know, give me that little bit of a, a hand. If not, I've looked at what courses are available, whether it be free via things like LinkedIn Learning, or maybe put myself onto a course. And then I would spend time sort of studying areas a bit like you know, user interface and user experience design. Now, these are more on the marketing and design side, but this is a kind of links back to that looking left and right of what you want to mm-hmm. achieve. And then I'd look for areas to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it sounds a bit counterintuitive, kind of, I want a job, so I'm going to give away something for free, but it's a really good way of building a portfolio. But there is websites for things like, I think, is it Fiverr? Where you're yeah, able a to freelancing kind of, website, yeah, it's actually a good you know spot to get your toes into getting smaller freelance jobs that you can add to your portfolio. Hundred percent, yeah, and that's where I would I'd start by advertising my services there, but I'd also you know there is a lot of local businesses that, especially where I live, that are looking for someone to help out with a charity to help develop their website, you know, a charity that is looking for someone to you know, come in and, and help them with a redesign. So there are always organizations, especially in the area that I live, that are looking for people who would volunteer their time. And with that, you not only get a bit of time that you've given back, but you've also, you know, you're gaining some experience while you're doing that. So it's kind of a two-pronged thing. You're helping out someone and getting a little bit of experience. Mm-hmm. And then if you can keep that alongside with Fiverr, you then, as you said, you're building out a portfolio. And I think to be able to go to an interview or to go to a a company with, this is what I've done. I know I don't have a huge amount of experience, but this is where I spent my time. That would, I think, as as someone who has interviewed a lot of developers, that would really catch my attention to go, actually, this person hasn't just been hit and applied to every role they've seen. They've went out and tried to proactively do something. So I think that's a bit long-winded, but I think that that's how I would try and approach it. Yeah. No, I wouldn't really say that it was long because every bit of it was very crucial and important. And I 100% agree with everything that you've said. But if I were to add just one small thing, probably is, you know, maybe aside from the technical steps that you can take to get that goal, you can also try to, you know, engage in developing yourself in terms of communication because that will really help you out when it comes to the interviews. And, you know, basically, if you get hired dealing with your coworkers and what else? Yeah, I think that's it. Communication, because that's one thing that's lacking in this community. Because the world nowadays, it's people are very isolated and we've kind of lost that socialization aspect. 
So aside from developing your craft, your trade, also work on, you know, that very important part as a person, communication. I I think that would be the only thing that would add to your comprehensive list of steps to get that foot forward. I think that's super important. And, you know, it's one of the things that I'm very, I feel very fortunate that I had the opportunity to, to learn, to communicate to people. And you're absolutely right. You know, I have, I've interviewed people in the past where. Yeah, I remember the communication. where you invited me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually where the suggestion came from, because, you know, you've invited me. I was fortunate enough to sit down on those interview sessions and. Yeah, there are a lot of people who have very impressive profiles, very amazing portfolios. But when it comes down to the interview process, and which is actually a very part of you know your career, the start of your career, then they would definitely flunk at that criteria. Yeah, and I think you know another really important piece is enthusiasm. I know it's mm. it's kind of a big word, but being seen to be enthusiastic when. You know, when you're applying for roles, it's it's difficult if you're not able to get into the interview room. But, you know, being enthusiastic it is definitely it's going to help you because having a positive mindset brings positivity. Right. I mean, there's lots of studies that show when people are negative, that breeds more negative behavior. But mm-hmm. by being proactive and enthusiastic, that's really contagious. I've definitely hired people in the past where their experience hasn't been there, but actually, because I know that they're keen and enthusiastic and wanting to get involved, that to me has been enough to go, okay, you know what, I'll give them a try because you know, they might not have that level of uh, skill set or development yet, but they're enthusiastic. I know they'll learn. So I think that's another sort of a soft skill, if you will, that mm-hmm. is really quite helpful. Yes. And especially, you know, in the customer service industry, enthusiasm, your soft skills, those are very important things in order for you to get hired. You don't need to have that, you know, two, three years experience because as what they say, customer service, a lot of people look down on it saying that it's a very entry-level job. But to be honest, it's, 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 it's a tough gig, well, depending on, you know, the industry that you're in. But for our case, we were in the crypto space, fintech it was definitely a tough job. So without, you know, enthusiasm, which also leads us back full circle to what we just talked about at the, the start of this podcast, like finding something that you're interested in and, you know, a cost that you can get behind in will definitely help with, you know, the enth- enthusiasm part of the application. Yeah. And I think that's definitely, you know, there are soft skills, which is, you know, we spoke about the communication, the enthusiasm, they've been able to empathize with people that you're talking about there are the hard skills which are you know being able to develop or being able to actually do the role and i think they're equally as important the soft skills are much easier to develop in my opinion because it's you develop that by talking to people by being interested in what you're doing and i think a lot of businesses are very keen to see that and happy to support someone in learning those hard skills if they show the the willingness and the openness to actually go through that I think the only other thing I want to sort of tack on and where that we want to try and keep these punchy and, and short uh, is that we will link all of the resources that we spoke about. So uh, the word I can never pronounce correctly, you know, I think I did it at the beginning, the Ikea guy. Did I do that right, Mike? Yeah, I don't know Japanese as well, but yeah, you can just say <laughs> Ikigai. I mean, right. If I say it with enough confidence, then it, I'm sure it'll be fine. So I'll link the resources down on Ikigai because I think 
like I said, for me, that was a really powerful tool. And that will be in the show notes of this episode. What I will also do is link a few really helpful resources. So LinkedIn Learning being one of them for those who, you know, maybe haven't set up a LinkedIn account yet. Really, really powerful resource with a lot of, it used to be Linda, I think, in LinkedIn, bought the company out and incorporated all their learning into that platform. There's also Salesforce Trailheads, which is a learning platform that's basically funded by Salesforce. Again, that's completely free and that helps mm. you Again, train not just in Salesforce, but a lot of their courses are on the people skills, the soft skills, and you can really delve into whatever you want to learn. I learned a lot of my app development for Salesforce through the Salesforce um, Trailheads program. So completely free, you sign up and then it kind of, it's it's quite quirky and fun. It directs you through a, through a passage. So we'll make sure those are in the show notes. But I think in the interest of keeping this short and sweet, that's all I've got, Mikey. Anything from you? No, you've pretty much covered most of the things that we wanted to talk about this. Although, you know, it, there are still a lot of things that we haven't really you know, talked about. And I guess we can probably hack our way to that by creating another episode, which we can call part two. But <laughs> oh, number two, part two. Yeah, number two, part two. But there's just a little thing to add about, you know, online courses that you briefly touched on. If you're not aware... Most major Ivy League universities also have these online pl platforms like um, edX, where you get like uh, valuable information or resources from, let's say, Harvard, Penn U, and all that other stuff that are sanctioned by actual university professors. Those are actually also good resources if you really want to get, you know, that certificate course that you might want to add to your LinkedIn profile, which will boost your career or personal identity or credentials, those will help as well. And yeah, you're right. I think we probably need to do a episode two, part two to cover off. Cause I think, you know, we scratched the surface on how to identify what you might want to do, but there's a lot more to sort of to pull out and, and talk about here. Yeah. I think it's about time as early as now, we'd probably want to think about renaming the podcast as one hour mentors. <laughs> I think, yeah, absolutely. Cool. The podcast is a conversation between Mike and I, but we also you know, want you guys to be involved in the conversation with us. So as always, we'll leave a way of contacting us in the show notes. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, different opinions, thoughts, anything that you want to share with us, you can do that down below. Um, but for now, we will, I know we've probably definitely gone over 20 minutes, but for now, we will leave this episode here. We'll do a part two to wrap the rest up. Mike, over to you. No, what Matt said. Adios, folks. Thanks for listening in. This is the 20 Minute Mentors podcast. Thanks a lot, guys. Oh.